This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. And you're invited to my one-time-a-year event, React Holiday. Yes, it's already the middle of December, but it's not too late. You can still get all 25 React-related tips into your inbox. This year's focus is non-React skills that support great React development, JavaScript, JSX, and even HTML. Sign up for the daily newsletter to get all 25 tips at react.holiday. That's react.holiday. Now, cue the music. They say hindsight is 2020, and at the end of 2020, it feels hard to disagree. Today, the incomparable, inimitable Cassidy Williams opens up about her grand visions for 2020, the challenges she found, and the effect they had on her job and Maker 100 Kickstarter project, Go On The Go. She shares what skills and habits were most important in navigating these surprises and how to share your reach with others. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Retool and Honey Badger. Retool helps you build internal tools remarkably fast. If you want to know how fast, go right now to retool.com slash react podcast. Now, you probably have experience with internal tools, and I'm guessing that experience is very bad. Polished internal tools don't seem like a high priority, which is a real shame because internal tools are where you fix business problems, delight customers with fantastic support, and avoid those pesky requests to just change this field in the database. Your internal tools don't have to win awards, but they should be good, complete, reliable, and fast to build. This is where Retool comes in. With Retool, you get all of this. Retool is a drag and drop interface creator for engineers. It empowers you to build the internal tools you need in hours, not days, and gets you back to diligently obsessing over public customer facing features. Connect Retool directly to an API or database, then drag the resulting elements right onto the canvas. You can use SQL to set up queries, and JavaScript works just about anywhere. It's brilliant. To get started, visit retool.com slash react podcast. Retool is the fastest way to build internal tools. Now let's talk about bugs. You should code with bugs and errors all the time. Don't worry, I do it too. Oftentimes errors get caught by automations or QA tests, but sometimes they don't. When you push code with errors and those errors make it all the way to the user, you want Honey Badger at your back. Honey Badger monitors and sends alerts in real time, providing the context you need to quickly identify and eradicate errors in your day-to-day deployments. Honey Badger gives you DevOps superpowers by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, and cron monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. And Honey Badger doesn't just have your back, it also alerts you when external services fall over or background jobs fail. Get 30% off of Honey Badger for six months by mentioning React Podcast at sign up. There's no credit card required, just visit honeybadger.io. And while you're there, you'll find the story of Star, Josh, and Ben, the bootstrappers behind Honey Badger, and why self-funding means your interests are always number one. Check them out at honeybadger.io. Cassidy Williams, welcome back to React Podcast. Thank you so much. It's been a while. It has been a while. You know, I meant to look up what episode it was, what number it was, but I mean, it's been at least a year and a half, if not... At least something (laughs) like that. Yeah, I think so. 
I am super excited to talk with you because I feel like since we last talked, I don't remember exactly when it was, but since we last talked, you have just like turned it up to 11. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, just absolutely, absolutely 90. So I... I know like right when we talked the first time you were you were you had released um recently a React course and you were working at um CodePen and I think you know I, I don't think you had jumped on to like full bore onto the like meme TikTok style developer mm. video uh videos yet. So I'm kind of curious like what has like tell us a little bit about your content game kind of since maybe like a year and a half, two years ago. <laughs> sure. So the content game, that was something I kind of stumbled on. So I I first got TikTok because I was just like, oh, you know, I heard it has a good video editor. And I, I like making videos. I've actually made videos for many, many years. They just weren't available to everyone in the world. It was just <laughs> like for close friends and stuff. And so I saw the I saw the TikTok video editor and I was like, ooh, this will make things easy for me. And so I tweeted out a video and it went a lot more I don't want to say viral. It was a lot more popular than I expected it to be. There's a lot of engagement. Yes. There there were there were several people who noted it. Um, <laughs> and so uh, after that I was just like, Well dang, people like this. That's fun. And I, I never really intended it for me to basically be half like my brand now but it, it was just something where i was just like oh yeah i can make like my tech jokes now but do it in video form and suddenly the, I've, I've been making jokes for a while but suddenly people were actually noticing them because they were in video form sure. and so i started making more and the people followed and it became a thing <laughs> <laughs> do you find that this is like a, a really a part of your creativity that you really get excited about and enjoy um or is it kind of overwhelming to feel like you have to outdo yourself over, you know, maybe the last video? Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely the former. I, I've already kind of told myself, like, there will definitely be some jokes where only I get it and only, like, <laughs> ten people get it. And it's okay. And some of my favorite videos have been ones where, like, I know it's a very, very specific reference that I make to a musical that I like, and someone would have to know both React and this musical to get this joke. I don't yes. care. I'm doing it. <laughs> And uh, and I have a ball doing doing those ones. And then when some go particularly well, virality wise, I'm just like, oh, how about that? People like that style of joke. I, I don't really have any like set goals with it. I kind of just do it to tell jokes. <laughs> now, do you feel like you have? I, I know uh, we talked about this maybe uh, a couple episodes back with Tyler McGinnis, but like, there's this idea that Seth Godin talks about where you you, you don't decide what you're going to be famous for. You just kind of keep putting work out, and then like the the world or the market or the internet decides do you feel like you have a pretty good sense like when these things go out how they're gonna do or is it kind of anyone's best guess it's truly a guess <laughs> i whenever i put it out i'm just like you know people will either like it or hate it i kind of always have a, a mini goal for myself where i'm just like it would be nice if this one got like between 100 and 500 likes <laughs> that's exactly what i said for my last one and then it got like 12,000. And I was like, oh, well, people liked that more than I thought they would. Cool. <laughs> I was going to say, they, they, they get significantly more uh, more likes and retweets than uh, than than that. So you're doing pretty good. Yeah, thanks. It's it's one of those things where I, I enjoy it. I definitely still put out my technical content and everything, but people clearly like the jokes more. <laughs> <laughs> I think one thing that I particularly like about 
what you've done is that there are so many nuggets in there. Like it's so easy to just see like a screenshot and like kind of like think like, oh, like this is a this is a, uh, a like a symbol of you know Slack or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you always like insert so many good little like nuggets. It's almost like um, have you ever watched BoJack Horseman? Yes. Not that it's important, uh-huh. but. There's always like there's always some sign in the background or like a banner or something They're and like that's the joke. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how much time do you spend actually like crafting the I guess world of each of these videos when you like dive into them? Honestly, not that much time. I should put more time in them than I, I do. Like most of them take less than 10 minutes at the most and and yeah. almost none of them are planned. The most of them are ones where I'm just like, huh, that'd be funny. And I might noodle on it for a while, but the actual execution is very, very short. Um, <laughs> but whenever I whenever I have like code in the background, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write haha business or some kind of <laughs> silly thing in the background and see if they notice it. Or I'll, I'll sometimes wear like a sweater, but then have like a silly name tag or I'll rotate out my glasses and see if people catch it. It's it's usually just like huh, I wonder if someone will catch this and they do which is more impressive to me than actually doing it myself. I love that. Do you find that most people do kind of latch onto the joke? I know that sometimes humor just does not like it seems like the internet is very polarizing about humor. It's yeah. like you have some people that are like I totally got it. I like inspected every part of this and I'm dying. And then you have other people who are like just don't quite get it and maybe explain your own joke to you like how do, yeah. No, how has ta- your experience been it there? It takes all kinds. <laughs> yeah. No. Every every single every single tweet I do, you the replies will always be someone just laughing and thinking it's funny. Then there will be someone who doesn't get the joke and is trying to get someone to explain it. Someone who's angry, saying that it's not funny and I need to stop. And then people trying to add their own twist of some kind to the sure. joke. And sometimes they do well. Sometimes they do not. Takes all types. Takes yeah. all types. Yeah, it's a nice mix. <laughs> now, I know that when you had joined React Training, and I think we're going to talk about a whole mix of things around like the beginning of this year. <laughs> um, sure. But this was something that that I think people were very protective about. And this is something that I was really fascinated by in seeing your announcement, saying like, hey, I'm going to join the React Training team. Um, it seemed like a lot of people were like, wait, are the memes still going to be like coming out? Are yeah. the videos like is Cassidy still going to be Cassidy? Or like, um, what do you think? Wh- what do you think? Like, how did you feel about that? And like, kind of people latching onto like you and feeling maybe protective about you as a person in the industry. I mean, I appreciate it. It was kind of amusing to me because there there are some things that you just people never have the full context of everything, yeah. which could be a React joke, but it's not. Anyway, <laughs> uh, people people never have the full context of everything. And uh, one of the reasons why I went over to React training was actually because they allowed me to have more freedom to make more content mm. and to speak at more conferences and do more things like that. And so it was amusing to me when that was a big concern for people because I was just like, <laughs> y'all don't even know. I'm about to push out so much more because I can now. I love that. Now, one that I particularly remember is, you know, right around this time last year, you were kind of going hard on the 2020 vision jokes. Mm, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, again, like hindsight is 2020. I'm, I'm kind of curious how have you experienced like kind of the delta between your expectations for what 
2020 might have been <laughs> and what it became. It's a very delicate way to put that. <laughs> it has been a year. Yeah. It has been a year. It, it really ha- I, I really was determined to make vision jokes like every other week all year. <laughs> Like, I, I genuinely was just going to ride this joke out and make people completely sick of it. And then the world fell apart. Uh, you know, that, that happens. <laughs> you, you never know. Um, yeah, so I, at the beginning of this year, I really thought that, first of all, I was very worried about burning out because I had hmm. so much travel planned, which, again... You, you never know when things will hit. I like. I kind of told myself this year was going to be my really last big travel hurrah, where I was saying yes to almost every conference that came my way. I was going to just go to as many countries as I could. I was going to do just a ton of things. And then after that, I was planning on, quote unquote, retiring from going to conferences <laughs> and stuff, where I was going to try to stop speaking as much and just attend. And I was going to write more instead of speak more. Like that, that was my whole plan. And then the pandemic happened. <laughs> and so those, those plans. It just noped you hard yeah, on that plan. Yeah, it just went straight out the window. Yeah, because in January, I think I spent one weekend home. And outside of that, I was hmm. traveling constantly. And wow. same in February. I uh, I was in multiple countries and, and, and all over the place speaking and, and teaching workshops. And uh, I came back from one of those trips at the beginning of March. I was going to take a break for one weekend and then travel to Spain the next week. And then my flight was canceled the day before. And then everything was canceled the next week. And then I was laid off from my job the week after that. And just kind of kept going from there. <laughs> it just kept coming. <laughs> yeah, just really, really hit hard. <laughs> now, I'm sure that like a lot of people who, who who are aware of you, kind of like see your 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 success, see the virility of your tweets, see the fact that you're talking and blogging and, and streaming and all of these kind of things, and assume that on some level, you're probably immune to this, right? Like you can just kind of like go wherever you want and do anything you want. And, you know, you're a... You're a a tech celebrity. <laughs> I, I'm curious, like, like at this point, like at the beginning of the year, did that feel at all true to you, or, or was it just like as scary as you know any other point in your life where you have this like really big thing kind of knocking out your plans? Yeah, no, it was it was terrifying. Like, I think the the whole like tech celeb thing, all it means is you get more DMs than other people. Like, <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't really mean anything job wise or anything. You still have to go through interviews. You still have to deal with stuff, and uh, and uh, yeah, that was that was really the case for me. Where when when I was laid off, and and I know that they tried as hard as they could to keep the staff, but they had to lay off all staff because we just ran out of workshops. We went from having yeah. being overbooked in the month of March, where if we had if we had like one more month, we probably could have ridden out the rest of the year and into summer sure. 2021. Like we had that many workshops to just none and drying up in less yeah. than a week. Um, it, it was it was very scary. And so having to do the job hunt suddenly, I w- was not prepared to practice for interviews or anything. And, and <laughs> I it was I you know, got the DMs, but I still had to go through the interview loop for all yeah. of these different companies and had to, uh, you know, get that done. And it was definitely nerve wracking, but, 
you know, it was it was a good learning experience. I got to see a bunch of products that I wouldn't normally have seen just because I wasn't job hunting and they were trying to hire. And, uh, and, and I'm honestly just, I'm so happy with the team that I ended up being on. Like the, the Netlify team is such a great culture. Yeah. Um, they're, they're all really just dorks. They're, they're really funny people. <laughs> um, and so being able to be a part of this team that genuinely cares about the community and about diversity and inclusion, and, and they, they, not, they don't just talk the talk, they really walk the walk with that. I, I'm really grateful for where I've ended up. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And now I want to talk more about the Netlify team and, and what you're doing because I think what you're doing is amazing and your team is just like, it, it's just from the outside, it just looks like a delightful experience. Like every day <laughs> is a party. Um, but I want to ask you a little bit, just a little bit more about kind of your career, like your your, your job hunt. Sure. And I'm curious, in as you were looking for work and, you know, what were some of the things that you have done in your career that provided the most value to you in that? Like, was it, was it writing? Was it the speaking you did? Was it the, you know, Twitter following or, you know, the course that you, like, you've done so many things. I'm kind of curious what played um, best in your interview processes. Right. So all of the writing and Twittering and, and speaking and stuff, it's very great for getting a foot in the door. It does mm. not help in an interview process with engineers. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's very, it's great for people saying, oh yeah, we'd love to hire you. It has nothing to do with whiteboarding interviews. And, mm. and so uh, if, in terms of actually getting requests for interviews and stuff, it was lovely and I was so grateful for it. And I ended up just tweeting out saying, hey, there are all of these companies in my DMs hiring. Please put your resume here so that way I can direct them to you instead of to me because I, I simply couldn't field all of them. Um, but in terms of the actual interviews themselves, honestly, just the projects that I work on helped the most. Mm. And and a lot of the stuff that I do, it's it's... Typically smaller demos and stuff because in in my work, whenever I'm working on a product, it's not open source or anything. It's typically a closed source thing where I could say, sure. oh, yes, I converted this site to React and here's how I did it. Um, but the, the really being able to show my smaller projects and being able to explain the code and talk through that was probably the most helpful thing because when I'm doing some kind of interview um, that's technical, I definitely... I do the more communication upfront approach where they ask a question, I explain what my thought process is and what I'm going to do. And after mm. talking it out, that's when I start the coding thing. And a lot of interviewers like that because they can see my thought process upfront. We can talk through certain things. And then the code is what comes later, which is more realistic, I think. I really like that. I, I think it's something that we... Uh, it, like it's a skill almost. And I'm sure that probably streaming has helped you with that. Yeah. The notion of like, I, I need to say what I'm going to do before I do it, which is, which is, it, it is such an invaluable skill though, because it frames what you're going to do in a way that's like digestible right. uh, as opposed to just like, oh, I'm doing a thing. And like, you're just going to be bewildered by my brilliance as I solve <laughs> this code riddle that you've prepared for me. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because there are some problems where I'm just like, oh, that's challenging. Well, if I'm parsing <laughs> a string character by character, it's probably smarter to do recursion. But if we do that, and, and just being able to talk that out, then they can see and maybe they they might cringe and be like, are you sure you want to do that? And I can be like, no, I'm not sure. That was a dumb concept. Let's do this instead. <laughs> and so you can you can kind of reframe it that way. I, I love talking about it up front. And, and yeah, it does. It, that kind of methodology is perfect for something like streaming or demos or something. 
Yeah, yeah. So let's get back to your team at Netlify because it just seems amazing. You have like just this kind of like just all-star crew of people who seem really caring about the industry mm-hmm. and web developers and other humans and as you mentioned diversity and inclusion. Um how did you pick the Netlify developer experience team and you know what has your experience been so far? Yeah, so picking um honestly it was it became kind of a no-brainer after the interviews because <laughs> I I had been again going through all these calls with so many people and after after going through their loop, I was like, it makes no sense for me to not be with these people. Because there were definitely mm. some very cool technologies that I talked to, or uh, companies with cool technologies that I talked to, where I was like, ooh, that would be so legit to work on these kinds of robots, or so cool to work on this kind of cutting edge stuff. Um, but one thing that my old boss, Ryan, at React Training, he said, uh, he's like, as you're thinking about these things, technology will always be cool, but will you like your team? And I and I thought mm. it was such good advice. And, and as I talked with them, I was just like, these are people who I will really get along with and who actually yeah. care about the things that I care about, who understand the, all kinds of nuances of, of the technologies that I work with and everything. And it, it was so fun talking to every single one of them. I think every single call of mine with them ended up going over time because we were talking so much. Love it. And it, it, it was just, it was such a great crew and it, yeah, it just kind of became a no brainer. <laughs> now working on a, a team that you really like and, you know, having those strong lines of communication and, and I guess maybe being able to bring more of yourself to those conversations, like the more, like the whole Cassidy Williams, instead of just like engineer Cassidy Williams. Right. Um, has that like cast a light on some of your, your, your other jobs and like kind of, not a negative light, but like, has it made it more clear what you're looking for in like whatever the next step over the the rest of your career is? Yeah, for sure. And and I've I've had a, my fair share of roles back in the uh, over over my career, and uh, every single one that I've had has taught me a different little thing about myself, or a different thing that I like, or a different thing that I really don't like, and stuff. Yeah. And and. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've gotten a new light on that every single time, and and genuinely the past the past few roles I've had at at CodePen at React Training and here at Netlify, these have been probably some of my favorite roles because they've they've really I've really narrowed down what I like to do, and uh, luckily I've been able to bring more of myself to work with every role that I've done because mm. I I kind of communicate that up front more. With with some roles, you especially early in in your career, for a lot of uh, less experienced developers, you're kind of just like, I just want to get this job, and and so you you might mention extracurriculars and and fun things that you do outside of work, um, like in an interview, but not not as like this is what I do, but in yeah. in the most recent jobs that I've had in the most recent interviews I've had, I'm just like, this is actually what I do. The job is something that I do for a nine to five. I will work very hard at it. I'll put my whole effort into it. But you should know this stuff is just as important to me, if not more so. Mm. And and being able to communicate that upfront has made a complete difference in how I work. How How has this role in particular kind of helped you kind of find that integration? Because at least from the outside, um, it seems like there's just this perfect fit, like especially for your teams, like you have, you know, all the things that you're doing with, with Twitch and then newsletter. And that feels kind of like, in, like it, there's a level of integrity with the work that you're doing 
for Netlify. And then also the same with, you know, Jason, he's got, you know, learn with Jason. He's mm-hmm. doing that, I think twice a week. Yeah. Um, and which is just a ridiculous pace. I can't even imagine. Um, but does it feel, have these things felt closer together in this new role or are they still kind of like kind of far apart? I think it kind of comes down to trust in a team. And what's mm-hmm. cool about Sarah Drasner, and she's she's an amazing developer, but she's an even better manager. She She's really great at all the things. Um, she established up front, she's just like, if you're doing something, I trust that you know what you're doing. And, and she just straight up said, if you think that streaming is something that you should do during the day, I trust you. Let's, let's go with it. And, and so every, every single thing that our team does, she's, she trusts us to do our best at that thing that we do. And so for, for myself, I actually started streaming more because I joined Nellify and, and they let me do that and I wanted to try it. And Jason does his stream twice a week. Uh, my coworker Tara, she has she knows everything, but she's gone ham on the Angular side of things and has helped. Oh wow! Um, the yeah, the Scully team, which is a static site generator for Angular, basically go from the ground up because of her work directly. And and my coworker Phil, he's amazing at case studies. Like ev- everybody has all of these different things that they're really really good at, and uh, the team trusts you to do your best work. And, and granted, there are some team assignments where we have to do them, and it's not all parties all the time. It's, a, it's stressful sometimes. <laughs> um, but with that level of trust, ev- everything has seemed natural because we're doing what interests us and what we think is the best for the team and for the company. I love that. I love that. I think it, it seems to me like so many companies are starting to realize the benefit of kind of hiring the whole person mm-hmm. um, as opposed to like just one set of their skills. And I, I've really enjoyed seeing, you know, your part of that and what you've been able to bring, like the value that you've been able to bring kind of as a whole person to, to your job and seeing that kind of all come together in like a really cool way is very, um, very inspiring. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's such a great team. And, and the fact that they, enable everyone to be able to do that kind of work i i think is a testament to the culture but also it's it's just so good for all of us to to be able to be successful in our own different ways yeah no your team actually started a podcast recently yeah uh, (laughs) called remotely interesting is that right yeah yeah Yeah. about remote work we thought it would be a funny name (laughs) i love that how did it how did it come about and uh tell me about the the different people who are taking part in that that podcast yeah so it's it's mostly our developer experience team and uh tara runs it on on my team and she's an amazing project manager and and it it started as a team effort and she's just like okay i'm gonna be the lead on this and we're like we trust you you do things And, (laughs) and uh and yeah, we, we plan, we have what we call a plan jam every month. We had one yesterday where we just say, hey, this would be kind of a funny episode. Ooh, it'd be cool if we brought this up. And a lot of times it's dumb, like, <laughs> but we're just like, you know, we could actually probably spiral off of this. Like one of the things that I made, or one of the phrases I said yesterday was dreams and disasters. Let's talk about all of the good things that we wanted and the mistakes that followed or something and they said actually that could be fun and we just roll with it <laughs> and that that will be an episode at some point and and we we kind of just noodle on what is something that we would be interested in hearing and that's how the podcast has been and and honestly 
It's such an easy podcast to record because we're kind of just gabbing with each other and happen to be yeah. recording it at the same time. But it's a really fun one. I love that. I you know so you just the the episode that I had was introduced to it on I think is maybe the most recent episode. But um, were you talking about pair and mob programming? Oh yeah, I found that so incredibly fascinating because um, it seemed like the way that you were talking about it, it seemed almost like a like an anit- antidote 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 i always get those mixed up yeah. antidote right <laughs> an antidote to like all the things that we've lost in the pandemic in terms of like social aspects of coding mm-hmm. um you know it, when we lost our offices and whatnot um it seems like pairing has become this thing that allows people to have that common space and work together through a problem and and uh whatnot i'm kind of curious how you've experienced that i think that you've probably had a number of remote jobs, but as you've kind of worked with a team that is more collaborative and communicative, um, how has that kind of manifested for you, like this 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 pairing mob programming thing? Yeah, yeah. And so I've I've been doing pair programming for my entire career. Like my first job, it was actually a pairing only company, and so we only did features as pair programming, which was honestly really good practice. But uh, this team has been so great because we, uh, for those who haven't heard the episode, we do a lot of just, we'll open up a Zoom saying, hey, we're going to be working on this. If you want to join, you can. And we keep it very casual, but it feels like you're stopping by a conference room where people are trying mm. out something. It, it It's a very, very casual thing, but it's felt so much more natural that way. And you can kind of keep up with what people are working on and what the current project is. And it's, it's been really, really great. I actually ended up writing a blog post that touched on the topic as well a couple days ago. Um, but oh, sweet. It, it's really helped not only with just our team collaboration and getting to know each other, but it also kind of reduces egos overall. Because as developers, we have egos. It comes with the territory. You're making something out of nothing. You are a god. But <laughs> when, you're, when you're pair programming, it's great to be able to... Uh, be able to say, I don't know how to do this, or can you help me do mm. this? And, or can I watch you do this? Or, and, and have that vulnerability with each other so that you can all, first of all, learn, but also uh, have that collaboration with your team. And I, I think it's such a great tool that more, more teams should be using. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like the specifics of doing it, like, what have you found are the best ways to kind of invite that in? So you'd mentioned kind of that mob programming style where you kind of have like an open collab. Anyone can kind of like come on by and right. watch or throw their opinion in or kind of familiarize with that part of the code base. Um, what does it look like on a more like project to project basis? And like, how do you organize that? Yeah. And so what we did, we we just released a site called Jamstack Explorers, which is a free learning website. We have three courses on there now. And, and we built that whole platform from the ground up, mostly via these mobbing sessions. And so what we did was every week on Mondays and Fridays, we just mob programmed together saying, okay, this is the feature we're working on this time, or we're going to be configuring sanity. None of us know how to do it except Jason. So he'll teach us and then we'll try it. And, and, uh, similar things like that where I knew Next.js, nobody else knew Next, and so had to show them all how to use Next. And and so as, as we did these mobbing sessions, it was great for teaching each other and sharing knowledge, but also building the actual product. And so we scheduled them every week, Monday and Friday, and then sometimes Wednesdays too, if it came up. And 
We would do our own tickets in between, but we would always try to get something done, have action items afterwards, apply them on our own, and then see where we were the next mob job so we could keep going again. We call them mob jobs, by the way. I was just going to say, mob job is a pretty rad name for it. Yeah. <laughs> Mobbing and mob job. Those, those yeah, it makes us right. feel a lot more dangerous than we are. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of a card game. I know that you're super into games. Um, Ah, uh, shoot. It was a it's it's a it's a mob based game, a family business. Have you played this game? I haven't. Oh my gosh! Okay, like quick I'm detour, look real quick. That up. Family um, business game. Family business. It's a game that my uh, my uh, my in laws introduced to me, and it's all about like you can you're like putting hits on each other, and so you have like kind of a you have a little little family, a little mob, and then you're you're putting people on the hit list, and then eventually there's like a mob war, and then people start like dying on the hit list, and it's it's I love that. It is so fun and you kind of form a lot there's a lot of mechanisms that cause you to like form alliances yeah. or like betray people and it is it's wicked fun anyway you'll enjoy it that sounds amazing <laughs> i will definitely look this up and see if i can nab some <laughs> um so funny so i thought i would ask a couple uh, questions you know i've been doing this discord thing recently and i've been met- meeting like the most delightful people in you know react podcast listeners and um, they actually had some questions for you so i thought Ooh. i would kind of s- throw some of them in here um i'm ready so, so the first one um from that andy brown was regarding a game actually that you made go on the go yeah and he's wondering when you might do a second run of this Oh my goodness. So Go on the Go, for those who don't know, was a Kickstarter project that I did this past January. Again, I was very ambitious this past January and did not know what was coming. (laughs) Um, So every single year, Kickstarter does what's called Make 100, where you make a Kickstarter where you're going to make 100 things and people can get those. And I was like, I've always wanted to do Make 100, and I was like, this is my year. I'm going to do it. And so I thought I'd make a Make 100 of the game Go. Um, and I love playing Go. It's it's one of my favorite games. I play it every day. And I was like, I, I have a laser cutter, so I was going to laser cut some boards, make a little kit, and, and people could get it. Um, the Kickstarter was successful. I got it all set up, and then the pandemic happened. <laughs> and oh my word. I, I had all of these Bad plans. for manufacturing. Yeah, just, oh, manufacturing is hard. And I had all of these plans to have friends help me laser cut things, friends of mine who also had lasers. Yeah. Um, I had a supplier for the wood for the boards. I had a supplier for the plastic for the pieces. I had a supplier for all of my drawstring bags. I had a supplier for the stamps on the bags. I had suppliers for everything. I think one of those suppliers made it through the pandemic. <sighs> and And... It was the stamps one. And even then the stamps arrived, I think, six months late, like oh, or no. f- five months late, maybe. It, w- it was very difficult. And so the, this game ended up being quite an ordeal because in other pandemic decisions, we suddenly decided to move from Seattle to Chicago, um, which we had not been planning on doing for a long while. But, you know, <laughs> it happens. And so between moving across the country, getting everything made getting everything shipped it was a journey and a learning experience and i just have a newfound respect for anyone who does these kinds of small businesses and so that's a very long answer to say i might do these again post pandemic maybe (laughs) 
and uh, that's that's all I can say for now. <laughs> I think that that's a very fair uh, a very fair answer. It's kind of everything is so up in the air, and like people are fighting over manufacturers right now. Yeah. And so doing these doing these you know small runs of a project have just become incredibly difficult. Yeah, it ended up being literally me and my husband on the floor sorting out pieces into bags, weighing them to make sure it was right. We we had we just had like Gilmore Girls on in the background while we did this for hours and hours and days and days and oh, we should have had more people but we couldn't because it's a pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Now, how had that project gone uh, like indifferent to that? Like were were people excited? Were you excited to get these these out to people? Are they loving them? Yeah, yeah, it's been so fun seeing that where like I'll still get text messages or, or tweets and from people saying, Hey, I'm playing Go and stuff like that and, and I've been playing Go for a while and, and again I, I love to play. I'm not amazing at it, but but I, I really, really love it. And so the fact that other people are playing it too, it it brings warmth to my heart because it's it's such a cool, interesting game, especially for programmer types, because it's all about pattern matching and, and figuring out yeah. uh, the next best move. Um, I, it's such a fun game, and so I've, I've loved seeing people playing with it. Something that's fun that I like, I was not familiar with Go. I think I'd seen it kind of like, right. I think I might have maybe misinterpreted it as Othello. Um, mm, yeah, Othello is based on Go. <laughs> I, I can see that. I can see that. So, um, so it was really interesting. I learned a lot from the, the Kickstarter campaign um, about Go, and I think it's so fascinating that you can have that that the game is designed to have a dynamic sized board. Like yeah. you can kind of decide how big you want the board to be. Yeah. A dynamic sized board and a handicap system built in too. And so like, I, how does that work? The, so there, there's these like set points on the board where if you put up, you can say like, okay, you're X number of ranks ahead of me. I get three pieces on the board ahead of you. Um, for example, oh. my father-in-law, he's been playing go for like, two decades he's very very good i have a very big <laughs> handicap with him but because we have the handicap we can play fairly with each other and it's not like well i won but it was with a handicap it's no i won that game because of my ranking compared to his ranking and interesting it's it's a really good learning experience and and yeah because it has that built in you can have fun playing go with anybody yeah yeah, yeah. now was this inspired by, you know, Knives Out, like to this particular project to, and the timing of it? So Knives Out, I definitely put it in my Kickstarter video saying, hey, do you want to be cool like those people in Knives <laughs> Out? Then you should get this project. Um, but no, it actually had nothing to do with Knives Out. I just genuinely like go that much. I love it. I love it. It is funny. Like, I, I feel like there's been, I, I think that was, you know, last year, maybe that, that movie came out. Mm -hmm. And then this year, um, there's Queen's Gambit on Netflix. Yeah, all of these old and games, they're getting their time yes, in the spotlight. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. And I, I mean, I'm, you know, it's, it's a good thing, right? Because, you know, a lot of us are spending more time at home. <laughs> yeah, you might as well practice playing. <laughs> um, so more things. This isn't actually like a, a question so much, but Michael Kneprath just wanted to congratulate you on, I think it was like ranking 40 in Pokemon Go? Oh, yeah. Did Leveled up. <laughs> Although, so, so in Pokemon Go, until last week, 
you level 40 was the highest level that you can get and that and it's a journey to to get to that level it, it takes a lot of experience and a lot of time on this dumb game and then as of this <laughs> past week they made it go up to level 50 and oh no i can't tell you it's i'm i'm probably not going to hit level 50 for like 2 years like it it <laughs> the experience you need like some of them are one that I actually did a couple days ago. You have to catch 200 Pokemon in a day. So that's just what? one of the small ones, but like there's you have to do 30 raids. 30 raids is like you can do two raids a day unless you spend money to like get more raid passes and do it, but it still is dedicated time. And I need to like yeah. triple my experience level just to get to level 41, and it took so long to get to level 40 with this experience level. I'm very grateful for the congrats, but man, this game is, it's going to be a while before I do anything better with that. <laughs> oh man, it's so discouraging. Like, like, I feel like there's just like a, like a, um, like a conditional, right? Like once a certain number of people like hit the max rank, like move the goal, pal goal post back. Yeah, another time. and I was just like, I finally made it. And now this, it's, <laughs> it's been, it's been long, but it's, it's such a fun game though, because it does kind of force you to take walks, which is nice in this yeah. time. And they've, they've added a lot of bonuses like, Hey, we know it's hard right now. Enjoy an extra lucky egg or enjoy a half incubation <laughs> distance to hatch this kind of Pokemon. And so, like the game, the game has been kind, but it's been very good for forcing me to get out of the house on occasion. I love that. I love that. Now, have you always had uh, an affinity for the Pokemon universe, or was this kind of inspired by the game? Yeah. So you can see I have a Charmander behind me. Other people who are listening <laughs> can't. Um, but I, I had a Game Boy Color growing up, and it was by chance. Where actually, my dad was driving home from work, and he saw a Game Boy in a ditch. And he was just like, huh, what's that? It's this lime green thing. And he pulled it out and it had Pokemon Blue in it, uh, Pokemon Blue version. And, and so that was Christmas that year. And so we, we <laughs> because we knew nothing really about the universe and we had never seen the show or anything, we just had this game and we were just like, well, we know generally what Pokemon is because of the cards, but we didn't know how to play the game or anything. And truly for the first, like, for the first while, when my sister and I had this game, we were just excited to have a thing with buttons because we didn't really have yeah. video games in our house. And we just walked around that first house, your parents' house the, that in the game, for a really long time. And we were just like, I went to the <laughs> kitchen today. I went and talked to the mom today. And, and, and it was getting kind of boring. And we were just like, well, okay, I guess this is what Pokemon is. And then on accident, like my sister shoved a button and she left the house and we realized it was an actual game with pokemon <laughs> and that just that flipped the switch in our brains where we were obsessed from then on and and so we we beat the elite four and caught them all and, and did everything and and we we absolutely loved this game and and so i haven't played a ton of the games after that because again we didn't have many consoles so we had the game boy and then eventually when i was in high school we had the wii and that was it and then my senior yeah. year of college, we got an Xbox. So like it was, it was. Uh, we were not very uh, into the games in between, but we. I've always had an appreciation. I still have my Pokemon cards from like second grade, and uh, I do have Sword and Shield now though on Switch. So I do like Pokemon a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Is that kind of like bringing back some of those early memories of playing it on the on the Game Boy? Yeah, it's it really is. The 
the other games I I had kind of tried to get into and be just like, oh, should I get a DS and play this? And I wasn't sure. But man, Sword and Shield is really fun. There's there's a good level <laughs> of story in there. And especially with Pokemon Go, I actually know the names of the later generations of sure. Pokemon and stuff too. And so it's really just a fun thing to pass the time. And it's a fun thing to be into because if you're into Pokemon and you find someone else, you have something to talk about and it's great. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So another question is uh, Anthony, AJC Web Dev, was asking how you source your material for your newsletter. He's always just Ooh. delighted to get your newsletter and uh, wanted to know kind of, is this just from your, your experience? Like, do you have wells of um, information that you're kind of like drawing from or like other, uh, I guess, other groups that you're kind of like taking ideas from and whatnot? Or how does that all work? That's a good question because I I slowly have refined this. I I think I'm I'm almost at four years of writing this newsletter, which blows my mind. Wow! Um, and it's I've gotten better at it over time. Where in the past like week and a half or, or maybe three weeks, I don't know. I got a bookmark manager, which is so helpful for <laughs> curating a newsletter. And so typically, what I did before was I subscribe to like every web dev newsletter in the universe and I would I just kind of would open tons and tons of tabs and force myself to read articles and if I thought it was good to put in the newsletter I'd keep the tab open so that way I could copy the URL and put it in the newsletter and then uh, I realized that wasn't sustainable and so I got a, a bookmark <laughs> manager and my goodness having just a folder where I could say put this in the newsletter next week is great and so now now I actually ha do have like a source of content um, from all of these newsletters and tweets and, and channels and stuff and for the joke it varies where that comes from sometimes if I'm not feeling creative it comes from like the jokes subreddit sometimes it's something I saw that week <laughs> sometimes I make it up the joke of the week that's where those come from um, and then for the interview question of the week that particularly is probably the more the most difficult one to fill because I don't have a steady stream of interview sure. questions that come my way. And so typically I'm just scrolling through something like leak code, like hacker rank, CS interview questions on sub on Reddit, and just all, all of the different things until I find a interview question that might be good to send to people. That's interesting. So from four years of doing this, and then kind of like your experience, you know, trying to find new employment, um, how valuable to you have those exercises been in terms of like kind of stretching your brain to think about code in a different way or having new exercises? It keeps the mindset going because I feel like a lot of mm. people are like, okay, if I'm going to job interview, I have to start preparing. I have to start doing these kinds of questions. So putting them in a newsletter, it's kept that in the back of my mind all the time. And so I, cool. I don't do the questions every single week. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, this is how I would solve it. And, and the, that's pretty much how far I get with it uh, <laughs> before I put the question in. And then sometimes I do actually solve it and, and put my own solution in the newsletter. But um, what's been great is because I've been doing it for so long, so many people put in their responses in so many different languages and stuff, I can see all of the different approaches that people would take it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Now, that brings up an interesting question is that you've been doing this for four years and people are kind of responding to you with different, um, you know, different solutions in different languages. How overwhelming is your inbox at this point? Oh, it's not great. Uh, 
so I so that I have created a workflow for that too, or a flywheel if I want to use startup y terms. Um so whenever someone sends it to me, I, I have a note. I, I I use Bear for my notes. Um and I get their their first name and then the link to wherever they sent it. And I wrote myself a script in code pen. And so I have this little pen in code pen where I put in just the whole list of names and links, and then it generates the list of here's all of the responses that we got that week. Um, and be- oh wow, yeah. And so because I have it on Bear, I can do it from my phone. I can do it from my computer. I can do it wherever. And it's it has saved me so much time because back in the day, I would just be like, okay the count plus one. Okay, we have five responses this week. And then I would go back and try to find all of them. That did not, that was not sustainable. Um, And so having this little script has helped where most people reply to the tweets, some people DM on Twitter, some people email, wherever they send it, I can just put it in this one spot that I can then use later. Interesting, interesting. And I know that there's a lot of burden, I think, for content creators to, to, to want to reply to everybody and like form those relationships and whatnot yeah. but it sounds like you've been able to do something that still acknowledges people's participation um has that felt good has it felt virtuous are people excited about that do they still want more direct attention from you yeah luckily luckily that's been good where they they get their note and i always tell them like if if you're if you tweeted at me and i haven't liked your tweet that means i haven't seen it yet and put it in my list so follow up if you haven't seen it and for example there's one person where my notifications get weird and his responses rarely get through and so he'll dm me and be just like hey i noticed you didn't like my tweet did you get my response or <laughs> and, and some people will dm me saying oh thank you for including it in in your newsletter this week and and it's it's not necessarily to be just like, ah, uh, yes, these people have been deemed acceptable in Cassidy's eyes. It's to show like they, they've answered these questions. And I know for a fact that there's some employers who are on the newsletter and who are keeping an eye on some of the people who are answering these questions well. And so I try to think of it as like, this is a resource for you where if you answer the questions, I will put your name out there and maybe an employer will see it. And, and I kind of just hope that people take it that way as well. Yeah, I love that. I, I think it's such a unique way to, I mean, we, we talk a lot about being able to share your privilege. And this seems like such a unique way to be able to do that, to like be like, hey, I have all these relationships, I have an audience, and let me share kind of the things that you're doing with them. That's like such a beautiful thing that you're able, that you've been able to find. Thanks. Yeah. And, and it's, it's honestly worked. Like there've been a couple people where they've answered the questions regularly. Like there was one person who he answered it like every single day in the year of 2019 or, or whatever. Wow. Yeah. And, and when someone reached out to me saying, Hey, is there anyone in your newsletter that like we should reach out to? And I sent them his way and he ended up getting an interview from that. And so it, I, I want to be able to give that to people. And so if, if this is the way to do it, this is the way to do it. I love it. I love it. Is it exhausting? I mean, it's been four years. Yeah. <laughs> is it exhausting to do that every week? It is. It is. And and if I'm being honest, having sponsors has legitimately helped. Not not only to sustain the costs of the newsletter, because after a certain number of subscribers and stuff, it does cost a pretty penny to run. But uh, it's kept me on a schedule, too, where I'm just like, you know, yeah. if we have a sponsor this week, I have to get it out by this date, meaning I should probably prepare ahead of time so that my Sunday yeah. night isn't terrible. And, and being able being able to have a system like that, it's been taking practice and it's been a learning experience but it's it's i think it's been worth it i know that people get enough value out of it that it's worth 
pushing forward. It's such an interesting, it's such an interesting constraint. Um, but I feel the same way, you know, like having to do something every week because someone is sponsoring your work or supporting your work financially mm-hmm. is such a good, like, I don't know. I, I would like to just be like independent and feel like I have full control and uh, agency over my life and decisions. But the truth is sometimes I have to force my own hand yeah. <laughs> and having something in like a contract that says you have to actually write this week, uh, deal with it is I guess second best way to do that, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's probably not the most ideal way to do it. And yeah, like you said, you want to be able to be just like, yes, I'm motivated to do this every week. <laughs> there are some weeks where I am not motivated at all. And it takes a lot of effort to put it together. And, and every single newsletter probably takes a total of like two hours to put together, sometimes sure. less, sometimes more, depending on content and how much I have prepared. But having having that little <laughs> kick in the pants genuinely helps now i'm curious with all of these things going on how do you i i guess like just keep um keep going because uh, i think sometimes it can be overwhelming and you know to to keep all of these things because you know you, you have a newsletter every week you do a stream every week you um I, i'm sure there's many other things i mean you're constantly putting out videos tweeting making sure that people feel interacted with on all of these these things how do you keep i guess like keep the fire going inside and and not just kind of like feel like a train kind of like barreling on that's a good question (laughs) (laughs) sorry too much (laughs) i'm crying um yeah no i it's i don't know i it's just the kind of thing where I, I, I enjoy giving back to the tech community because the tech mm. community has given me so much. And, and that's, a, that's a very big part of it. And having like my Patreon group, I love interacting with them, not because, yay, they're supporting me, but because they're such lovely people who uh, yeah. are give back to their whole tech community. And the fact that they give a portion to me means I can give out even more. And, um, I I love seeing people get excited about the things that I put out and learning from the stuff that I put out that that that's really my biggest motivation. I like seeing people be happy and learning. I love that. Yeah, I've I've kind of felt the same thing with um I just recently opened up a Discord for React podcast listeners and like that group of people is really like giving me life to like want to yeah. keep going. And it's so important to like kind of find your your people who are like kind of like in your corner and you feel aligned with and have like a personal relationship, not just like a internet relationship right. with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. And and yeah, like with this Discord group, we'll play video games together. We try to do play a big Among Us game every week where we definitely nice. bash each other and kill each other in the game. But <laughs> it's fun because we can we can then like both be angry at each other but also have this real friendship and especially in a pandemic, it's it's so valuable to have that. And there there are some people that I've been friends with where they're just like, man, I've spent more time hanging out with you, quote unquote, online than I have with my real friends all year, <laughs> because that's just, or, or my in real life friends all year, just because that's, that's how, that's how the world kind of is right now. And so I've, I love these online communities and, and they are definitely motivating to push stuff out. Yeah. So I, we're kind of getting to the end of our time, and I know that you have a lot of stuff that I don't want to keep you from, uh, but how do people find all of these places that you are at? Where are all the places that they go 
um, to engage with you on their preferred platform of choice? Well, Cassidy is my handle for everything, C-A-S-S-I-D-O-O. You can Google Cassidy Williams and you'll see both myself and a Scooby-Doo character and I am not the Scooby-Doo character. So <laughs> you, can, you can look that up. Um, and my website is cassidoo.co, which links to pretty much everything. I'm, it's, I'm in one of those phases now where I'm deciding if I should redo my whole website. You know, those that last like several months and then you change the font and that's it. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm currently in one of those phases, so maybe more will be coming soon. But anyway, that's, that's how you find me. Awesome. Awesome. And I do hope this is actually our last, uh, our last interview of the year. I think I usually do one little recap. Um, but I'm delighted to have you on and I think we might actually take a break. I'm kind of like, like spilling the tea on that, but I think we might take a season break. So I encourage anyone listening to this, you know, if you're just starving for some kind of like weekly content, you should really follow Cassidy because she's just doing amazing <laughs> stuff that's going to kind of help that's going to help out with your your career and uh, just I don't know I, you're, you're just a great person and I love I love being able to send people your way and uh, just hang out with you whenever I can it's great so thanks for being here yeah thank you right back at you I, I appreciate your taking the time and it's always fun to hang out with you <laughs> yeah and Someday we'll talk about some of these secret places that we get to hang out. Oh, yeah. There are secret <laughs> places in the world where some of us talk where they are. Someday, we can't tell you. <laughs> someday we'll be able to <laughs> tell people. But it has been a delight. I think um, getting to know you a little bit better this year has been uh, really one of the highlights of my year. So thank you for uh, just being an awesome person and uh, being delightful, a terrific role model to all of us on the internet. And um, just thank you for all you do for the community. Oh, thank you so much. And again, right back at you. I've, I've, <laughs> I've loved getting to know you more and, and continuing to listen to the podcast and seeing the tweets and everything. It's always fun. Thanks. Thanks. Well, have a happy holiday. And uh, I, I hope that, you know, you didn't get to make all your 2020 visions this year, but I hope that 2021 really restores a lot of the things that were, <laughs> were lost. We are all yeah. clinging to that hope. I hope so, too. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for being here, Cassidy. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Before you go, join us in Discord. Each week, we have a new episode party and listen all the way through the episode together. It's super fun, and our guests often stop by for a chat. Find a link to our Discord in the description of this episode or Twitter account. This has been episode 123 of React Podcast with Chantastic and Cassidy Williams. You can find a transcript, links, and show notes at reactpodcast.com slash 123. Thanks to our sponsors, Retool and Honey Badger. Build internal tools remarkably fast with Retool. Visit retool.com slash react podcast to see just how much time you could be saving, how much more support tickets you could say yes to if you just used Retool to do it. Visit retool.com slash react podcast to get started. Retool is the fastest way to build internal tools. When your deployments go sideways, you want Honey Badger at your back. Honey Badger gives you DevOps superpowers by combining error monitoring, uptime monitoring, cron monitoring, external service, and job monitoring, all into a single, easy-to-use platform. Give Honey Badger a try today. Visit honeybadger.io, mention React Podcast at sign up, and get 30% off for six months. Again, that's honeybadger.io. 
If you like this show, there's a fast, free way to demonstrate your support. Leave us a review on iTunes. It's the best way for you to let me know what you think we're doing right and what we can improve. Two to three minutes of your time helps us make the best show we possibly can. As always, links and show notes for all episodes are available at reactpodcast.com. This episode was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson at SPEC, a network to help you level up in design and development. Check out spec.fm for other shows that are sure to fast track your career. I'm your friend, Chantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll be in your ears again next week. Thank you.